1: Welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is Margaret McSweeney, your host here on webtalkradio.net, and I am so delighted that you are joining me today here in my kitchen where I broadcast each week at my kitchen counter or kitchen table. I think you're really going to love today's show. We have two very, very special guests from New York City and the iconic restaurant Union Square Cafe, the chef, chef uh, Carmen Quayata, and the yes. service cool. director Patrick Service, welcome to Kitchen Chat.
2: Hi, how you doing, Margaret? Good oh. morning, Margaret.
1: Oh, hi. And we just have so many great, great topics to cover today. But first, a little bit of background about Union Square Cafe. And when I lived in New York City many years ago, I actually had the incredible opportunity to dine there, and it is such a fabulous experience. But in 1985, as you may recall, listeners, Danny Meyer opened his first restaurant, which was Union Square Cafe, and people were calling it a new breed of um, American Eatery, and how they just really aired imaginative food and wine, and, and just an incredible experience, and, and someone gave it the tagline of Serving American America Cuisine with an Italian Soul, and it's very much of an award-winning establishment, twice received New York Times 3 star ratings, I got uh, number one ranking as New York's most popular restaurant for eight years, so um, very much uh, an accoladed place to dine. And, of course, Danny Meyer has gone on to create an incredible culinary empire with his Union Square Hospitality Group and has some great restaurants added to um, his his uh, repertoire and menu. So anyway, for today we are so so honored to have Chef Carmen and and Patrick here to provide some background and an inside I guess an inside peek on how just an incredible iconic restaurant like Union Square Cafe there in New York City works together in creating the menu and then pairing the drinks with that. But first, before we get into those details and also a great takeaway and some fun um, ideas for your summer planning and menu planning and and beverage planning, before we uh, get there, I'd, I'd like to just get a little bit of background and give you listeners, a peek into who these fine, fine culinary people are. So, Chef Carmen, um, you have been cooking since you were a child and really were influenced, right, by your mom and grandmother in the kitchen?
0: Yeah, well, I, I guess you could say I've been eating since I was a child, which eating. we all have been, but, <laughs> but eating with, um, with I guess, a lot of enjoyment, doing it, and passion. I didn't really start cooking until I was um, maybe 17 or 18, and pretty much fell right into it. That was it. I knew right away I wanted to do that the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, we were just a family that always thought about, you know, what's the next meal, or we couldn't wait to go to my grandmother's house. And, and I started working in a kitchen, and that was that. I realized I was pretty, pretty good at cooking, too.
1: Oh, that is great. And you have a real passion, I understand, for vegetable gardening and cooking. Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and those special seeds. That you have too. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I, my grandmother always had a garden, and I moved to California when I was pretty young. And with that growing season out there in my early 20s, I just started putting things in the ground, and uh, it, it was pretty easy sometimes and sometimes not. But, um, you know, one of the first things I grew was uh, some beans, Romano beans, that my grandmother brought with her from Sicily in 1933. And so the same beans myself and my uncles have been growing in our family since. Uh, I guess you could call it a true heirloom Sicilian bean, or a green bean. Um, and it's there, you know, just like in the Jack and the Beanstalk, they're pretty successful. You just put them in there and they go. You kind of have to cut them back a little bit. But um, you know, I like to do everything that I kind of call my, my summer Italian garden. The peppers and eggplant, hot peppers, uh, beans, tomatoes, of course. Cucumber is always good and refreshing to have around for salads. So and they're, all, they're all easy things to grow. So I, I do love it, definitely.
1: That is great. And I understand that you use the beans and dishes there at Union Square Cafe during the summer.
0: Oh, well, a couple times. <laughs> some, I, I keep most for myself. But if there's any special tables coming in, I'll, I'll uh, try to get some in just for special people. Maybe oh, if you come, Margaret, I'll have beans for oh, you. <laughs> oh,
1: I am there. Sign me up. Oh, I definitely can't wait for that. And what cool. is one of your favorite bean dishes, I guess, that, that you like to make from these um, very, very special family beans?
0: You know, actually, I just like to cook them uh, for not going to say a long time, not like my grandmother used to, which was for a really good long time with olive oil and garlic. But with uh, like take one tomato from the garden, chop it up, and I'll usually do it in a pan while I'm grilling outside. I'll throw the beans right in with the tomatoes, a little water, um, basil, garlic, and uh, anything else that I might have available. Sometimes I grow zucchini. I'll throw one of those in It's really whatever I can pick of some hot peppers and just simmer them down in those nice juices with the tomatoes and basil. And uh, that's something that you could serve alongside grilled meats or by itself with a hunk of bread, which is my favorite way to do it. So, you know, I just definitely let the garden take over the, ta- over the table. I prefer to have something with the beans rather than just plain.
1: Right. Some kind right. of juicy and
0: acidic like the tomatoes.
1: And I love what you just said. Oh, I, I think that is a fine quote. I like to let the garden take over the table. What yep. a great mantra to live by. And, and you use Cafe, you really take that to heart in cooking with seasonal ingredients uh, at the green market. Uh, could you um, just kind of walk us through a typical day in terms of uh, going to the market? How do you plan plan the meals?
0: Uh, well, first it's just getting out there and getting out there early enough before some of the area restaurants snag the first ingredients. It's usually really cool to get the first of something of the season, you know, the first uh, nettles that might hit the market or even you know, because we're only 50 yards away, I can Come up out of the subway stairs, which are right there where they set up, and by 7:15 have the first bag of corn or the first case of asparagus. That's always an exciting uh, thing. This this year, when I brought the asparagus into the kitchen, the cooks literally cheered. They let out a cheer when they saw it. We, we get so sick of um, potatoes and apples <laughs> and squashes that are really hit their peak by January. So um, it's always nice when, when the spring hits. Um, and a typical day is is like I said to get out there early, talk to the farmers, see what they have. And you have to be pretty athletic, you know, mentally to say, okay, I can use this ingredient in that spot and just quickly start uh, changing dishes in your head. You have to be able to taste them while you're out there. Um, you have to anticipate it. And you just get back in the kitchen and start going. So this time of year, I would say from May to October, you know what I call, well, actually more like June, right right, in about a month, there's going to be so many things in the market. There's so many changes. Uh, you just... It's hard to tell you a typical day, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Margaret. Wow. <laughs> it, wow. it goes pretty quick. And it's the seasons don't change by the season. They change every 10 days. Something gets a little different, you know, and um, we try to let our restaurant reflect that
1: and and that must be a challenge for the person who is printing up the menu each day too. Oh yeah. <laughs> to try to make sure all of that No,
2: makes... it's perfectly fine. We're we're, <laughs> we're 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 really good at it by this time.
1: Oh, good. Good. Now, um, as you may or may not know, but my listeners definitely know, I am the world's worst cook. And now that I've (laughs) reached the half century mark, I'm now officially 50 this year, I've, I've embarked on a culinary journey and have gotten over my fear of asking questions that might sound a little odd that others might know, but I'm still discovering. So you mentioned something I'm not familiar with. And you said getting the first nettles is that a type of vegetable, what is a nettle
0: yeah, it's a wild uh fern in the fern family I think
1: oh. That's it yeah
0: i should I should know really <laughs> but, but yeah, it's in the fern family and it's um they have stinging nettles around here in the, in the northeast and um all, all also all over I think in the northwest northern California a lot of nettles and uh, really rich green uh leafy plants almost like um uh, seaweed in in flavor, you know. It depends on what farm we get them from, you know, or what uh, farmer forager is bringing them in. Sometimes they're very rich and almost chocolatey. Sometimes they're more nori like, like I mentioned, like the seaweed. But uh, they have a very unique, amazing flavor. I love them.
2: I love Ooh. to see when people order those because that opens up such a door for wine and just all the different wines that we have available for spring. So
1: Yeah, uh, and Patrick, cool I ingredient. want to definitely understand how you. Because that, that must be a challenge for you too, in terms of choosing the accompanying wine that will best bring out the flavor of, of each ingredient and, and dish that Chef Carmen prepares. But before we get there, one more question about nettles. So, mm-hmm. how do you prepare a nettle? I'm just trying to envision this. It's like a fern like um, ingredient? Is, is it um, kind of, and you said it's, it's a leafy nettles. plant.
0: Yeah, the sting that it stings you when it's uh, raw. If you're handling it with your bare hands, you'll get like an, it's, it's like touching a tiny cactus where you get many little uh, what do you call those little spines yeah. or spindles or something? And it's right. just, it stings you, makes you itch. So if you wear gloves when you're prepping them, that's fine. As soon as you cook them, they're they're okay, safe to eat. Nothing stings your throat. And um, I like to braise them down in in uh, basically just by themselves, a little bit of water and add some cream or butter and puree it. We, we work it into a sformato here at the restaurant as a, as a hot appetizer or to make a a, a, nettle, a nettle sauce. I like to puree it because the very fine little um, uh, fibers running through the leaf can be a little, a little bit fibrous. So I like to flavor things with it like soups or, or the sformato or a, a cream sauce to go on some pasta with uh, a little uh, prosciutto or something like that. But... Um, I rarely le- just saute the leaf and eat it like that. If you do, you really want to cook it, okay. uh, cook it down, make it nice and tender.
1: And then, what is a spumato?
0: A sformato is basically an Italian version of a custard. It's actually a little bit less eggy than a, than a French savory custard. Okay. Usually made with bechamel. Um, I, uh, binder, I guess, uh, thicken the sformato the here with uh, leftover bread. It's just a little more uh, consistent. So it's not quite exactly classic, but uh, if you have to cook to make a bechamel for this romanto, even if she gave them a recipe and told them exactly what to do, it would always come out a little bit different, and then the custard would come out a little bit different. So just for the sake of consistency, that's how I do it.
1: This is just fascinating. I am learning so much, and Patrick, I can't wait to hear what wine you would choose to pair with nettles. <laughs>
2: Well, depending on the way the nettle is. So if okay. if it's nettles uh, in the form of the, the sformato, I guess you're looking for something a little bit spicy, a little bit on the lighter side, uh, something definitely like a cool climate wine, something with, with good structure because uh, you definitely want to uh, cut through but not overpower the custard. So in this case, for somebody who's a red wine drinker, um, with the green and the, the, uh, the sort of spicier side of things um, while remaining that sort of cool climate, structured, uh, balanced wine. The Loire Valley is great because it has a lot of cool climate reds from the Cabernet Franc grape, which has a little bit of that green, has a little bit of that structure without being overpowering. So it's a really, really nice balanced grape, and you can get it anywhere from, you know, light and fresh, or you can get it all the way to uh, Bordeaux in style, a big, rich uh, wine. So in this case, I'd go with something like a lighter, she known.
1: Interesting, and Patrick, I'm so impressed with uh, what you have on the website, and and listeners, I will make sure I provide a link to UnionSquareCafe.com, and on this there's the full wine menu, and featuring the the, the map of the Loire uh, <laughs> Valley with the wines. So That's just that just makes it so user friendly for diners to anticipate.
2: Yeah, it's 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 really nice to sort of add a level of discovery uh, to what is just first and foremost our wine program exists um, for the sake of of complementing the green market menu the the great menu that that, uh, chef provides here so to add a level of discovery to that uh, to be a little bit uh, you know educational I guess yeah, um, always adds like a nice layer. You're always going to remember that one time that you had uh, this one wine that you'd never heard of before, like a Coeur chevrony from the Loire Valley um, from like a great vintage like 2009. Um, and then, you know, our servers are nice and, and um, up-to-date on all the information. So it's nice to have a dialogue with the person that's sort of leading you through your food journey, um, especially on the wine side.
1: Yes, and that is, yes, an important pairing as well. And I guess some of the fresh ingredients that you're seeing coming from the farmer's market, uh, the green market, you'd mentioned, uh, Chef, uh, let's see, asparagus, and I I assume spring peas and, and soft-shell yes, crab. peas
0: are right around the corner, and um, ramps are a big early spring uh, vegetable, wild which is a wild onion foraged. Yes wild onion. And uh, what else? Fiddlehead ferns. A um, lot of new fresh greens. The best time of the year to grow greens for the farmers is spring and fall. And the summer is really hot, so you get your best spinach and arugula, things like that right now. Um, and yeah, there's then, a lot.
1: Yes. And then with... Uh, for example, I guess, uh, let's look at the spring peas. And, and I understand, Patrick, that you have created quite a new and upcoming uh, pea shooter. <laughs> I guess it yeah, is.
2: <laughs> I, I have to give credit here to, uh, to Corey and Chad, both of uh, uh, on the front of house and back of house side, for coming up with this. This was a, a very innovative uh, cocktail that um, actually was incredible and very, very uh, uh, well-received. Everybody that ordered it. So uh, the two of them walked around the green market and uh, were walking around and uh, seeing what was seasonal, what was fresh, and then wanted to focus in on that first. So a true, true 100% um, seasonal green market focus. Um, they found the uh, the English and spring peas, and they thought to themselves, "How can we manifest this into uh, a great drink?" And uh, the first thing they thought of was mint. Um, and then they went back, uh, brought them with them. Uh, Chad in the back of the house uh, whipped up uh, a mint puree and then Corey went to work on the rest of it to really bring it out. Um, and we have this chamomile infused uh, grappa liqueur and uh, we I guess you could say this is, this is another way that we try and keep things fresh and seasonal in um, green market inspired that we don't buy any Um, flavored vodka so we Mm -hmm. infuse all of our own vodkas in house so we have uh, Sorrento lemons that we use to infuse our vodka Um, and so Corey uh, thought richness of the grappa liqueur and then just a good citrus backbone uh, of the lemon infused vodka it all came together and it was just such a unique fun and tasty drink Um, Mm -hmm. and the name was awesome tea shooter
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is great, and I just think it's so neat how the kitchen and the beverage area actually collaborates to uh, you know, to concoct and curate these interesting cocktails that definitely have their origin from the green mark in it. It goes back to your whole farm-to-table concept that is so important there at Union Square Cafe. And back to the green so that that's just so exciting to um, hear how how that works, um, and and then this was so interesting too, Patrick. I understand that inspiration was to uh, crush up the pork rinds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell us about how that came about.
2: <laughs> so Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we decided to call. Uh, well, we decided to to get a drink together uh, that was going to be. One seasonal and then also I guess seasonal in in terms of what was going on in the world at that time Um, so uh, at the time Meyer lemons down south uh, were in season so uh, we thought about let me see let's let's get Meyer lemon involved and we thought tequila is such a great thing because of the citrus and the tequila and the margarita base and uh, and we thought how that would go really well with something savory so we had infused um you know we had a, a pork infused uh tequila that we used the the kitchen decided that you know that that was going to be the way to go and uh they also came up with the idea of having uh chicharrones the uh the the sort of mexican um uh, super bowl snack yeah so and and we turned that into because it was a pigskin uh, into the pigskin classic, like, uh, like the Super Bowl is often known. So we literally had pigskin um, done in sort of a traditional Super Bowl snack that we had as a garnish, as a half-rib. Uh, half uh, we did it with some chili, uh, some salt, and that. And we garnished it with, some, uh, with, with a nice lime twist.
1: Uh, what a creative collaboration between the kitchen and you guys. This is this is great. So it's very much uh, coordinated and, and curated. You're quite the cocktail curator. <laughs> we get really excited
2: when we have the opportunity to, to create like the kitchen. So we always come back and look to them for inspiration for how we can sort of throw flavors together and really put a, a good
0: product out there. That is well, incredible. I think also the, it, it works perfect with our manipulation of the green market items and their understanding and the bar with Patrick and his staff of the liquors and, and everything that goes on there, it's bringing that together, it just is a natural way to go. We get a, get better drinks out of that collaboration for sure.
1: That is great, and and also I kind of on an interesting side note, Patrick, I I noticed that you're on a blog, the Open Table blog, in terms of how to woo your boo. <laughs> <laughs> you to woo your boo, which included some special uh, wine tasting, and I understand that you had you did indeed woo your boo, and you're getting married, which is just wonderful. And yes, it's uh, if you can maybe discuss some of the wines that you found for your wedding.
2: So uh, I guess. There were a few considerations for this because uh, I'm originally from Palm Springs and so yeah. is she. So we are heading back uh, right at the, the height of it's getting really hot out there. So we part of our consideration for choosing wine was how do we not only meet the needs of you know the 200 person party and what most people like to drink, which for the most part if you look at the numbers, it's usually uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay. So we All decided right. to give them something. You know, along those lines, but we also wanted to make it uh, very warm, season friendly. Uh, I think it's projected to be about 100 degrees. So with oh people God. wearing suits, wow! <laughs> we are we we decided to give them a break. Uh, so instead of um, you know your your typical cabernet, I thought, well, what are the flavors in cabernet? What are, what's the profile that people are looking for? And they're looking for a a bigger style red wine. Um, Cabernet generally doesn't get too much lighter, so I thought what's next uh, best, and it was a Syrah-based wine. Um, And especially with the big flavors that we're going to be having, we're going to have Mexican food and Bosnian food and um, some big flavor American food, so to pair with those big flavors, I wanted something lighter, um, big in flavor, so we went with a Syrah-based Cote de Rhone. you know, uh, we definitely sought out um, some people in the California area and asked them uh, who work in the area, well, what, what sort of recommendations do you have? I have a, a friend out there in a restaurant, and I said, you know, what's, what's something that will work um, that, that is um, sent there? So we found a, a French Cote d'Iron, and then uh, I happened to do Harvest with a really well-known winery out there last year, uh, Calera Wine Company. And so they, uh, they definitely specialize in lower alcohol wines, which is great for um, finding something lighter in body.
1: Yeah. So we
2: uh, definitely went the Chardonnay route still. We were thinking about going with, you know, a Viognier or something else that's Chardonnay-esque. Um, but, you know, we went with something that, that I was familiar with that I helped uh, bottle and package, actually. So um, that's coming. So low alcohol Um, On both of them, so we we take it easy on the body, but they're still big in flavor. And uh, then we uh, we found a Cremant de Bourgogne. Uh, Very unlikely that anybody's going to find a a champagne at the price to pour for a banquet. So we thought, what's the next best thing without going the Prosecco route? Right. Um, And we were able to find uh, a Cremant de Bourgogne from a really good producer. They're just now starting. So I guess the advice I would give to somebody looking for setting up wedding wine is is talk to somebody in in the wine service business and and give them, you know, your parameters. Um, Right. And then if it's from an area you're not uh, familiar with, then, you know, it it would definitely help to uh, familiarize yourself with the book through somebody else. Um, So, yeah, we're really lucky. We're going to have a a great feast and, and some great wine with us.
1: And congratulations for, so for wooing your boo. <laughs> that was a yes, fun, successfully op- <laughs> yes, open table blog. That was really fun, fun to watch. Now, what do you recommend with you know uh, the summer season coming up, late spring, uh, Chef Carmen? In terms of what is something that a home chef can can really do to take advantage of the fresh ingredients, uh, easy dishes, uh, fun things for a picnic, and and easy uh, next day recipes as well.
0: Uh, well, first it starts with what you what you like to eat. You know, what I mean, um, I I like food that tastes great room temperature, and that's the great part about summer food. If you're going to grill some eggplant, you can leave it on the side until the guests arrive, or um, you know, uh, tomato and bread salad like uh, panzanella is always good, just tossed and left, and using using your day old bread that way. Um, but I always try to keep it easy at home. I'll be honest with you, I never I never go really overboard. I don't. I realize I don't have a crew with me, and there's no one to wash up all the dishes either. So I like the grill. I'm, I like a lot of people, I like the grill, and I like it to be something that could sit and then eaten again later, or something you can prepare and have it all laid out nice, and you're not sweating, you have a drink in your hand ready to hand it to your guests. Right. Of course, maybe I'm the only guy that starts drinking before the guests come. but <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you you're not, yet All right, right. And, um, so as far as uh, tips, uh, that's my main tip is take it easy and don't and, and try to shoot for foods that are going to be great 15 minutes after you put them out on the platter. Don't try to do too many things out on mute.
1: That's that's wise advice. Now, do you like to entertain? I mean, it must be so exhausting cooking at the restaurant, but you you like to entertain? at well, home I love as to well. entertain.
0: Yeah, my we've had our kitchen remodeled last summer. Finally, and it took all summer. So
1: um,
0: <laughs> we use it a lot this uh, fall and winter season. So it's it's great to have people over, and and I like to keep it. I like to keep a main theme and not do too many many dishes. Like if someone comes over, I like to do a big paella. Or, you know, I'll have a pasta night and we'll do a few marinated uh, vegetables and then I'll have a couple different platters of pasta and that's it. And I always make someone bring dessert. I don't want to make dessert because my kitchen aid <laughs> is stored up high and I don't like to pull it down. So <laughs> that's people come to my house and say, what can I bring? I, I always say dessert. And um, so, yeah, entertaining is a good time. And I'm never too tired to cook at home. I love to Aww. cook for my wife and, and wife and boys, so Aww. it works out fine for them, I guess.
1: That is so great. Now, you mentioned marinating vegetables. What is uh, uh what do you like to use to marinate the vegetables? Uh,
0: I I always like some sort of good acid, you know, usually I cook it depends on the vegetable, but you want to cook the vegetables first and then marinate them other than, you know, different than meats. Meats you marinate then cook. Okay. But uh you know, for summer vegetables, I love red wine vinegar and oregano and basil. Of course, a great olive oil. Always make sure you use a good olive oil. Right. Um, and, you know, you got to have the right amount of acid, I think, in, in marinades. There's no reason just to pour fat over something. Of course, garlic. Use liberally, liberally or gently, whatever you prefer. Um, but my, I would say like my, my go-to summertime marinade would be oregano, red wine vinegar, olive oil and maybe even just like a crushed-up tomato that's over-ripening on the vine, just pour it on top of something also. And also, I love to marinate. I like to – my grandmother had this thing. She It was called inskapech, or uh, just, I guess, geez, I used to know the literal translation. Drawing a blank on the air here. Oh, Not good. Basically, oh. she would she would like uh, lightly fry zucchini. She always had a lot of zucchini, like too much. And lightly like, bread it, lightly fry it, and then pour over – uh, a marinade, kind of just like I said, and would just sit out, again, things would just sit out all day and you'd eat nice. it whenever you could, but um, Patrick's, we got, Patrick's like the producer that looks up all these things, he's got the in-step patch coming right now, but uh, that's that's something I love to do, is a is, uh, floured and fried uh, eggplant and then yeah. a marinade over that, or you can even take a little bit of ricotta salata and some mint and roll that uh, thinly sliced eggplant that you floured and fried. Uh, roll that up in it and put a put a tomato, red wine, vinegar, olive oil marinade on top of that. Those are all really kind of cool Italian approach marinades or, or way to eat vegetables that I like in the summer.
1: Oh, that sounds delicious. It is, my stomach is already growling.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I always like to have a little cheese with everything I just mentioned there. You
1: can't yeah, leave the cheese
0: I out with know. all the vegetables. Yeah, A little pecorino or goat cheese, always nice.
1: And, you know, I grew up in the South, and I love fried asparagus.
0: You love what? I'm sorry.
1: Fried asparagus. Oh, yes. sorry, not asparagus. Uh, okra. Fried okra.
0: Oh, fried okra. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fri- I think okra. I just and, you know, I'm created not a, I'm a, not a new I'm not a big okra fan. i, I got to be honest with you. Well, you know, we actually have a fried asparagus on the menu right now, and I thought, oh, wow, it's No, I didn't
1: create it. Oh, good. Yeah,
0: we batter fried, like we tempura fried asparagus with like a little lobster salad. But back oh. to the okra, I always... Didn't really love the the texture, you know. I'm not I'm not a southerner, so. But but I've, I've worked in West Virginia. And I had some southern friends turn me onto it, and when they fried it, I was in. Definitely.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> that's one of my favorite dishes. That's for sure. But who knows? Maybe uh, we could try frying nettles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. you
0: can fry anything as long as they're all hot.
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> Oh, and Patrick, what um, do you recommend, you know, because I know a lot of people are going to be going to the beach and picnics and uh, especially with Memorial Day and, and other holidays coming up, what cocktails do you recommend um, you, you can make a batch of that transport easily? Uh,
2: I guess especially for the season, you want to focus a little bit on, on uh, some lighter spirits. Uh, you want to focus a lot on, on some good citrus fruit. Uh, Very batchable cocktails, I guess, you could throw together. Uh, A Paloma is, you know, one of my favorite drinks. Uh, It's really easy so long as you have a quart measure, you have a bottle of tequila, and you have grapefruit juice, and you've got lime juice, um, and then you have uh, the agave nectar sweetener. There's really no set recipe uh, because either the grapefruit juice or the lime juice, depending on how fresh it is, depending on whether or not it's store-bought, uh, but for the most part, I have, I have really rough measurements. I, I, just, I usually find a big pitcher. Um, I put a good amount of ice in it. If it's going to be a lot of people, I'll just turn upside down a bottle of uh, Blanco tequila, uh, put the entire bottle in there, and then uh, usually about a quart or so of grapefruit juice, You know, red or white grapefruit, uh, both work really well, and then a half quart of lime juice. And from there uh i don't know half a cup or a quarter of a cup of agave nectar i would definitely uh use the agave nectar uh slowly and just keep tasting and just stir and stir and stir and the best part is that it it's so fresh it's so good and it's so summer and it's perfect for hot weather outside it's really refreshing
1: and so, have you named this little cocktail do you have a oh, special name for oh this this is
2: this is a a a very i guess traditional or it's it's um Pretty regularly drunk uh, cocktail in in Mexico called the the Paloma. Generally speaking, though, they uh, they take grapefruit soda and then they add it to tequila. So oh, I know there's a, a number of people in the U S. that have adapted it with uh, fresh juices and uh, you know a little bit more seasonal natural ingredients. And that's that's the best way to have it um, is when you're you're definitely focusing on on fresh uh, ingredients.
1: Right, right. It goes back to the green market as you oh, yeah. as you keep oh, saying. Yeah. And um in terms of the holidays and everything coming up with Fourth of July, do you do anything special at Union Square Cafe to kind of uh commemorate and mark the different um you know, holidays and celebrations?
0: You know sometimes we do. I guess it's pretty spontaneous when that happens. It could be uh-huh. whatever uh, mood we're in, or if someone says something, it'll happen, but we don't, usually don't force it to go uh, with X. because we, we do a great burger for lunch, and you know, people think of Memorial Day and Fourth of July, they think of grilling and outdoor things, and, and we all already represent a lot of that in the menu with the vegetables we have, and right. so I, I would say we don't do anything thematic for those summer beach holidays.
2: Okay. The I'll be honest. one the one area that, that that we will at least plan on on having something that that's 4th of July is, is our weekly aperitif. We always try and like with Cinco de Mayo, we put on a, a really fun a margarita which is, you know, an adaptation of of a margarita um, that uses a little bit of a of a, of a bitter um, Campari. So definitely we're going to we're still searching and figuring out what we're going to do cocktail wise, but I I, I think that's I think that's about where we're going to go with, with the 4th of July. Great.
0: You know, actually, Margaret, I take that back. We do fun things with our sandwiches. Like We'll do different types of barbecues, and that's where we kind of have the outlet to do those fun things for those holidays. And not oh. just the traditional southern barbecue. We'll do
1: whatever <laughs> <laughs> to do a choice <laughs> on
0: a Korean barbecue or, or a cool uh, type of po' boy sandwich or, you know, something like that. We'll, wow. we'll do that with summer Always
1: creating in the kitchen. Oh, and you know, I, I just have such an even more newfound respect uh not realizing that that basically the menus you create chef carmen are the ones you know that you create that day seeing the ingredients that are in in the green market that's
0: pretty much yeah i've got a good crew that helps me with that too i can't really you know i'm not gonna say i'm there every day but i try to get in the market on on wednesday for sure that's the main day and then you know myself and the sous chefs collaborate a lot and even it's it's an open conversation in the kitchen also with the cooks when we taste and um, it's a lot easier to involve people so I gotta throw some credit their way we, we work very hard staff oh,
1: that is great and what is the most uh, challenging dish you've ever created
0: <laughs> <laughs> well in in our kitchen and I don't know if you ever. You say, you did you meet here once? I did, long, but I did not year? go
1: into the kitchen. Oh, you ever had a tour of the kitchen?
0: I could say every dish we create can become <laughs> challenging. In the, in no, I'm just kidding. Actually, we have, we have a decent amount of space. But um, I don't know. This, we seem to, if, if we were going to do it and the idea is there, it, it's never so challenging that it sticks in my head like that uh, that we couldn't do it. I, I will say um, I love to cook with pork shoulder. Um, but not always uh, shred it and, and make a sandwich or barbecue out of it or things like that and, and to roast a, a pig a whole suckling pig or a pork shoulder to, to maybe butterfly it open and roll it up and do those types of things those, those long cooked meats and braises it's difficult to hold them in the right temperature and serve them throughout service without having to uh, reheat it you know I don't want to reheat something that we're cooking like that so if I'm going to cook a, a um, and also something that's not submerged in liquid like a shank. So right. that's the most challenging thing. Like if I, and we're going to do a suckling pig, like the style that's just a whole pig with the skin on, when it comes out of the oven, I want it sold in an hour. You know, that's, that, that's the right. most challenging thing. And everything else you can pretty much figure out. Um, wow. that's tough. Burdettos think. are tough, like a I seafood sure. uh, pan <laughs> too. Because everything has a different cooking temp and you're telling the cooks you got to pull those muscles out and you want to add this at the right time. And I, I could say that's what sticks in my mind wow. are those those two items. I'm really nuts about those things and, and how they're, they're going to come out, you know.
1: Right, right. Now, is there any uh, dish or ingredient that you have not yet cooked with but, but you're really interested in trying out sometimes?
0: Oh, well, that's a great question. Yes, absolutely. I'm reading so much all the time in articles and online. Uh, there's always something that pops up. Gosh, there must be something Are Recently. any cuisine?
1: Uh, you know, any type?
0: I, you know, I mean, just just yesterday I think I was saying to someone, oh, you know, we got to get uh... – oh, gosh, I don't really – you know, how about like uh, – there's like a powdered plankton now that I've been reading about that I want to cook with. But I don't know the name of it. Yeah, it's uh, like Ah. this uh, plankton. Gosh, what's it called? You got me. That's a great question, Margaret. Oh, Uh, what do I? You know, I love I love to cook outside the realm of Italian. I know that we're just you know called the American, new American with Italian soul. And I definitely being Italian and being in love with Italian food and, and my heritage. That's something that comes through in the menu a lot. But I really like to go outside those boundaries and you know. For instance, this morning I made a, a soup that's definitely along the lines of a Mexican, uh, almost like a lamb pozole approach, but oh. without the hominy and potatoes instead. Um, so I really do enjoy doing other things. Uh, I love to cook Asian at home, oh, Vietnamese nice. and Japanese food. For a Christmas party this year, I did a whole Japanese theme. That was great. Wow. Uh, but as far as unusual the ingredients, there's there's a bunch. You know, I would love to learn more about uh, the, the technology that goes into food today, my, I think, you know, I'm, I'm 43 and my generation of chefs, by the time we had um, uh, jobs that, uh, where we were established and that that was such a new thing while I was very busy running a kitchen with my style of food, I definitely would love to, if I could, if I could just blink my eyes and take six months off, I would learn, so, I would try to learn so much about all that uh, molecular gastronomy. Not that it would be in my repertoire every day, but I'm just really curious. You know, I think you always have to be a student yes. um, of what your profession is. And um, I love to eat food like that out. Uh, a lot of my colleagues just do some amazing things with that, that technology that I would love to know. So those are some things I think in the future. If everything goes as planned, I should have time to learn some more of that. And, and just take a little bit of it and work it into what I do would be great.
1: Oh, well, so, I have just... Learn so much from this conversation. I could just talk for hours with you guys and learn about pairing food and 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 beverages and uh, oh, just the discovery. So, thank you to both of you, Chef Carmen and to Patrick of Union Square Cafe. I am just so honored that. You guys have been guests on Kitchen Chat and have really helped me along my uh, path of discovery of, of uh, different foods. Thank you so much. Well,
2: thank you very much. You're welcome, Margaret.
1: Oh, and, and listeners, I will make sure I put a link to their website, unionsquarecafe.com, a wonderful, wonderful, iconic uh, restaurant of Danny Meyer. Uh, union square hospitality group just a great great group there and and i also love how uh you have this where where readers and on the website and listeners can actually contact you with questions that they have i just think that's a wonderful interactive process that that union square offers and um Kudos to you guys for that. But definitely if you're in the New York City area, drop by and see Chef Carmen and and Patrick there at Union Square Cafe and um, try some of their great ideas for your own entertaining uh, this summer and through the holidays. So thank you so much to our guests. And, and listeners, thank you for taking the time to, to be in my kitchen today here on Kitchen Chat with webtalkradio.net. And please stay in touch. I love to hear from you. And always remember, savor the day.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pro Girls, Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you, so join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.